Ordinary Fellowship is a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations will offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. I'm Jeremy, and with me as always is my friend Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. Hello. Well, today we're going to talk about our second guiding principle, which is the means of grace. And as we thought about it, a passage we want to read to begin that frames our conversation is found in Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, which says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, Jeremy, as we read Philippians 2, brings up a theological concept we need to talk about so that we can understand the means of grace. And that theological concept is sanctification. So, how can you succinctly describe sanctification to us? Sanctification is, in a way, you could just say it's the Christian life. But it's not going to be static. So the Christian life is a growth in holiness or a growth in sanctification since... Uh, the word sanctification means uh, growing in holiness. So that's what sanctification is all about. It's, it's growing. So you come to Christ, you're justified by faith in him, and then after that it's the ongoing work of the, like that verse pointed out, the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in you is to encourage you to move and to grow in holiness. So it's all about growing in holiness or growing in grace or growing in spirituality, all of those kind of ways you, you can use to describe it. I think one of the, the metaphors the Bible gives us for sanctification is a race or a journey. Uh, sometimes uh, there's a battle metaphor, but I like, I like to focus on it being, being a race or a journey. Um, so we begin our journey through faith in Jesus Christ, and we are, like Christian in the Pilgrim's Progress, headed to the celestial city. And so there, there are many pitfalls on the way. Uh, there are also places where there are times for great pra praises. But the road is, as Jesus teaches us, the road is difficult. But it's a road, it's a journey, it's a, it's a race that takes us to heaven. So, and the means of grace are involved in that. But one of the things I, I want to make sure to say is because, is that this growth in holiness is necessary. Uh, unfortunately, some Christians get the idea like there's two roads to heaven. One is the hard way. If you want, if you want to be a super saint, you can go that way. But, you know, you there's also an easy road as well that, you know, you can... You can pray a prayer and ask Jesus into your heart, and you can you can basically live however you want, but you'll still get to heaven in the end. It just won't won't there won't be as many rewards for you at the end of the road. The Bible doesn't teach anything like that. The Bible does teach two roads. There's one road that leads to heaven. It's narrow. It's difficult, and the Bible says there are few that find it. And then there's the broad road that leads to destruction. There, there are no other avenues. So the 
Christian journey, the Christian race is is one of holiness, and holiness is necessary. The Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You could translate that as well, saying without sanctification, no one will see the Lord. So this isn't an optional journey for people who want to be super saints. This is the normal Christian life growing in holiness and sanctification as we journey towards the celestial city. We need to talk about that because that's the rubric under which the means of grace are under. In that passage, I don't know if you want to say anything further about that passage, but well, the one that thing, would be good. The one thing I would say is, it goes back to what you were just talking about, Paul use, what's the verb Paul uses? Paul says work. Work implies effort. So the reason why we want to talk about the means of grace and why we strongly believe you have to start with understanding sanctification is sanctification, as Jeremy said, is work. We understand we have to supply effort, but we understand that God, God supplies results, but we have to supply effort. There's the idea that I'm supposed to sit back on my lily pad <laughs> or on my couch and I'm just somehow I'm going to be like Jesus as I sit here is completely antithetical to Scripture. Yeah. And from a counseling perspective, a lot of prob most problems that arise, arise because pe that's what people think. I don't have to change. I don't have to put any effort in. I don't have to try. Everybody else does. And then somehow I'm going to become this Christian. God, God's going to zap you and yes. suddenly you're going to be holy. Right. And it, we wish it worked that way. <laughs> it would be Life would be a whole lot easier if it does, but it doesn't work that way because God knew what he was doing and we need to put forth effort because anything worth having is worth striving for, is worth gaining effort. And so the question then becomes, what's the effort? What do we strive? How do we strive? Well, how we strive are the means of grace. Right. And I, I would say, since you brought that passage up, another way of talking about the means of grace, we talked about this in our introductory podcast, is talking about uh, spiritual disciplines. We can talk about it as a means of grace, but we can also say it's spiritual disciplines. It's work that we're doing. And and sanctification is different from justification. Right. Justification is by faith alone. Christ does all the work. You, All you contribute is the sin. <laughs> yeah. And he takes care of that. And sanctification, it's not that it's not that you do now here you do all the work. Like that verse says, it's the spirit that energizes us to grow in holiness. So sanctification is still by grace and through mm -hmm. faith, but it also requires effort. Mm -hmm. And one mm -hmm. of the efforts we have to make is to be disciplined by using these means of grace or by through spiritual disciplines, growing into grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's another way of talking about them, and it's fine to talk about them like that. But I prefer to talk about them as means of grace, and it's nothing more than a preference. And so if we're using the metaphor of a journey or a race, then means of grace are those places where you go to get strength to continue on your journey. Right. The one thing that, for, that I want to make sure I clean up is that we understand that, as Jeremy said, I put forth effort, but the fact that I put forth effort produces nothing. My effort doesn't produce anything. 
I'm simply putting out effort. What The only thing that produces is God's grace, as Jeremy said. So I want to make sure that we make that crystal clear that my I contribute effort, but every all the results come from God and what the Spirit does in my life. So now that we've laid this foundation, we're going to talk about a few of the means of grace. So the first means of grace we want to talk about is the Word. So how is the Word a means of grace? I'm going to read from the, the Canons of Dort, which is a Reformation confession. It's, it's very helpful. So it's, at, if you are familiar with the Canons of Dort, it's Head 5 and Article 14. And not only will this lead us into the discussion about the Word, but it will also help us to understand a little better what we mean by means of grace. So here's what it says. And it hath pleased God by the preaching of the gospel to begin this work of grace in us. So he preserves, continues, and perfects it by the hearing and reading of his word, by meditation thereon, and by ex- by the exhortations, threatenings, and promises thereof, as well as by the use of the sacraments. My Baptist friends, don't, please don't have a cow about sacraments. You can just substitute it as ordinances. <laughs> so, with, <laughs> so, <laughs> so now that we've hopefully not offended any Baptists, how then do we think through the means of grace? This is telling us what we already described in the metaphor, that these means of grace, especially the words is what they're talking about, preserve us, help us to continue, and they pr- perfect us. So all the means of grace are doing this. That they help us to continue on the road. They help to preserve us because there's lots of things in the journey that can lead us astray. It keeps us on that straight and narrow, and it 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 works to perfect us. It works to make us holy. Not not just once we reach the celestial city, but as we're on the journey as well, we grow in holiness. And so that that's what all these means of grace are about. And then, so it talks about the Word initially bringing us to saving faith, but then the Word is continuously necessary in the Christian life and that to preserve, continue, and perfect us. And he meant, and this, uh, not he, but this confession mentions a couple ways of interacting with the Word. They mention hearing, reading, and meditating on it. All, all of those ways are engaging with the Word of God. Reading the Word of God is important, and I think as Christians we ought to, we ought to at least try to be reading on a daily basis. I don't make that as a rule because there's been some times in history where people don't have an easily accessible Word of God, but American Christians have no excuse because they carry their cell phones around and there's copies of the Bible right on that. So if you can look at Facebook and Twitter, uh, you can spend time reading the Word on a daily basis. So reading it is important, but it also says hearing it. Hearing it not just in the sense of coming to church and hearing somebody read Scripture, although we need to do that. I'm always amazed that liberal churches that really don't read the Bible spend a lot more time or 
they don't believe the Bible. They spend a lot more time reading sections of Scripture than conservative churches who actually believe it. <laughs> so I, I don't know why that is, but uh, we need to read Scripture in our services. But hearing the Word also means hearing the Word preached, especially at a weekly gathering where your pastor expounds the Word of God. The preaching of the Word is invaluable. Reading the Word myself has led to God's work in my life, but I think the most profound changes in my life have come not through reading myself, but through the preaching of the Word. And I don't know if that's your experience, Matt. Yes, I would agree with that too. And I think that there are so many, again, there are so many opportunities for us to hear the word, not, yes, the, the weekly gathering is vitally important, but to listen, to find opportunities, to find other places to hear the word, whether that be through sermon audio or through other churches that your, associ- your church is associated with, and just to listen to good preaching, good explanation, good exhortation from the word so that we just become more familiarized because our life should be characterized by the word that we, there's an old Baptist phrase that we're people of the book, just this idea that we're saturated by. So we, we read the word, we hear the word, but then there's a third one. And the third one is that we meditate on it. And as Jeremy, before Jeremy explains it, I'm just going to go on one of my pet peeves. Pet peeve is, looks like this. It's often said that we're supposed to memorize in scripture, memorize only shows up like two or three times. <laughs> Meditate shows up like, I forget the number, but it's a whole lot more. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we don't meditate. So wh- how, what does it mean to meditate and why is it so important? Well, it's, it's not complicated. It just means thinking over it. But what you said about memorization is, is important because... You know, you can memorize a verse, but what good does it do you if you can just quote a verse? You've, you've got to be chewing it over, rolling it over in your mind, reflecting on it, thinking about it, thinking what it means to you. Um, there, there's, In other words, you can't just, when you read the Bible, you can't just mindlessly read it to check off a mark that I did the Bible reading. And all, all of us struggle with that. Right. Um, so don't don't think it's always easy. Sometimes you don't have a lot of time and you're trying to quickly get through it and you go you get done and realize you haven't read it. But you you need to understand it. Uh and so part of what meditation is is thinking through and medi- thinking through the implications of it for your life. So whether you're reading it, whether you're memorizing it, you there needs to be meditation on the word of God. I, it's kind of a gross analogy, but I heard it and it makes <laughs> sense to me, that we should treat Scripture the way a cow treats grass. If you understand a cow, a cow has four stomachs. So it, it eats it, and then it goes down the stomach, and then it regurgitates it, and it eats it again. It's constantly around. It's constantly dealing, dealing with it, for lack of another way of saying it. And I feel like that's how we should treat Scripture. We're, we're listening to it. We're reading it. We're thinking about it. It goes away. We bring it back. You, you have some free time. You start thinking about Scripture. What does it mean, like Jeremy said? And that's, that's what it means to meditate. That we're always around it. And because when we're around it, it'll, 
we give it the opportunity to affect our lives, not just like Jeremy said, which is so easy for us for just to be a check mark, just this thing I do and now Jesus and I are good, but rather that it's, I'm saturated by the word. So that's what it means when we talk about the word. Anything else you want to mention about yeah, the word? One other thing. I think um, you can include under this, um, this good Christian books, not as a replacement for the word. I'm not saying that you should, if you can't read the Bible well, at least read a good book by John MacArthur or something like that. Um, that's not what I'm saying. Um, you should read the word and you should read the word on a daily basis. But good Christian books are a way to uh, think through and meditate on Scripture and, and grow in our understanding of Scripture as well. Um, and, and there are so many resources available, whether it's audio preaching, video preaching. There's books galore available today. One of our previous episodes, we talked about the state of theology. There's no excuse for Christians to be ignorant of their faith. The resources are there, right. and, and a lot of them are free. Right, and I'll tie it into our, our first guiding principle. One of the th other things you can do is spend time with the confessions. Yeah. and con <laughs> So you read the confessions. So reading the confessions not only are important for everything we talked about when we talked about confessionalism, but also they're important because you're spending time with the Word, and so you're accomplishing that discipline of, and then you can meditate on it and think it through. So that's the first means of well, grace. Hold on. Okay. I, I want to connect it back to the whole idea of a journey. All right, go, um, ahead, go ahead. So this is where the confession that I read said something about exhortations, threats, and promises. So as you're absorbing the Word in all these ways, this is what you're going to get. Exhortations, they, they're saying, this is the way, do it. Threatenings are saying, if you don't do it, this is what's going to happen. And the promises give you comfort and encouragement to keep on going. So all of these things are necessary in the Christian life. We, we need somebody to say, keep on going. You can make it. And that's what the word, one of the aspects of the word. We also need somebody to smack us upside the head once in a while and say, we've gotten off track. And, and the word does that. It does. So it's, it's not just information that you need, though you do need information. But you, you need these things to keep you on the right path. And the Word is what keeps you, it keeps you, and it encourages you to continue on the path to the celestial city. So, right. all right, now we can talk about right. the next one. That is good. <laughs> That's, it's really good for us to think about that. Moving on, as we, we've talked about the Word, then we, now we come to what the confession that Jeremy read would call the sacraments, as our Baptist friends will call them, the ordinances, as we will. So that leads us to the two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, as means of grace. Well, let's start by talking about baptism. How does baptism function as a means of grace? This is one area where I think Baptists don't often think through this. Our, our Presbyterian brothers and Lutheran brothers will talk about remembering your baptism. Now, they do it because they don't re really remember their baptism because they were baptized as infants. But I, I think it's good for us to reflect on our baptism as well. And not, it's not, I don't think it's just the reflection on baptism that is a means of grace that helps you on the journey, but the actual act itself does. But that only happens one time in your life. While that is important in overall what we're talking about, I don't want to 
I don't want to leave baptism as a means of grace that happened in the past and it helped me then, but it offers no help now. Right. So I think baptism continues to offer help in a couple ways. So as Baptists, we we believe basically that baptism symbolizes three things. It's a and you can get um, these from Romans six three through five. Uh, we're running short on time, so I don't have time to read the passage. But three things: it's a sign of fellowship with Christ in His death and resurrection. It's a pro- it's a sign of remission of sins, and it's a symbol of surrendering of one's life to live in the newness of life. So one of the things, especially that I I want to look at, is the idea of it being a sign of fellowship with Christ. And the idea is that what Romans 6, 3 through 5 is saying is that if you've been baptized in Christ, you've died with him and you will be raised. So baptism is a promise. Baptism is saying to you, if you if you've, you are in Christ, if you've believed in him, you will be resurrected like Christ. So in both uh, the ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, are reminders of what the Word says. They're, they're reiterating promises. And one of those promises that is reiterated is that we will be raised like Christ. Of course, the condition is faith in Him. But if we've believed and been baptized, it, it should assure our hearts that we will indeed be resurrected. And then, of course, remission of sins. You know, Baptists, we we don't just sprinkle a little water on someone's head. We give them a full bath. So <laughs> you're, you're reminded in baptism that your sins are washed away. You've been cleansed. You've been given a spiritual bath by the Holy Spirit. So your sins are washed away. So... And one of the ways that's always a good reminder, one time when Baptists do think about this stuff is when they see somebody else baptized. Yes. And that's always one of the things that sticks out in my head is my, my sins are washed away, I've been bathed, I've been cleansed. And, and what, what a great way of assuring you. What a, what a great comfort on your journey to know you, you've been cleansed and that you'll reach the celestial city because you've been cleansed by the blood of Christ. You've been cleansed by the work of the Holy Spirit being poured out on you. In the surrender of life, uh, it's, a, it's a way of confirming your covenant with God, that you're going to walk in newness of life. And so it's a, it's a way of almost... Renewing your wedding vows, <laughs> renewing your vows with Christ, right. that you're going, you're going to walk in newness of life. So, when you stumble and you fall on that journey, you're reminded that that through your baptism, you've been you've pledged to live in newness of life by the grace of God, and so you're encouraged to, after repentance, begin again on that journey because we all we all fall we do we all fall and it is i do think that what you were saying i think it would do us well especially as baptists for us to reflect 
on baptism more than we do, that we do tend to see it as a one-time act and we never really think about it anymore. And I think it, it is a great encouragement to consider what it means, even though it's a sign, what it's a sign of is important for us to be encouraged as we continue on the journey. Baptism is an ordinance that we do one time. But then we come to the second ordinance, which we do much more often. So that's the Lord's Supper. So how is the Lord's Supper a means of grace? The Lord's Supper is, is, is so extraordinarily meaningful. And unfortunately, <laughs> this is another area where I don't know if it's just Baptist, but since I'm a Baptist, I, I see more issues there that we really fail to appreciate. And there's reasons for that that maybe Matthew and I will talk in another time. But the Lord's Supper is is really spiritual food for the journey. It's not literal food. I just preached on the Lord's Supper not long ago, and, you know, we get a little bite of a wafer that doesn't taste very good. Welcome to the <laughs> and, time of COVID. And we, get, and we get a little bit of juice that doesn't really quench anybody's thirst. And, and maybe that's good because that makes us hunger and thirst for the tr true bread and uh, true blood of Christ. But it's it's spiritual food because in reality... What these things symbolize when, when we're partaking of them around the Lord's table, we're actually receiving the real thing from Christ. So we're, we're receiving physical bread, but in reality we're feeding on the benefits of Christ, all the things that he's purchased for those who believe in him. We're feeding on them and being nourished by them. And the Lord's Supper is a reminder. I mean, it reminds us of what Christ has done for us. It reminds us of our forgiveness. It points to the marriage supper of the Lamb in the future. And all, all of those things are, just as the confession we read, are, they're ex exhortations, threatenings, and promises. And baptism and the Lord's Supper, I think one of the things we sometimes look at these as more law-related than gospel-related, mm -hmm. and I want to look at them as, as gospel ordinances, where they're making promises to us in Christ. They're not making demands of us. Christ is giving himself body and blood to us in the Lord's table. Christ is cleansing us by his free grace in baptism, and so I Really, the focus to me, to me is that these are gospel ordinances. They're not law ordinances demanding that, well, you receive the Lord's Supper, so you better live right. And Yeah, I think... Does that make sense? It does make sense, and I do think that we very much tend to view them more as law than as grace. And I think that would do us well to kind of change our thinking... But since Jeremy mentioned it, I'll go ahead and say more. If you want to understand more about the Lord's Supper, if you go to tworiverscc.org, Jeremy's sermon he preached on October 4th on the Lord's Supper is there to listen to, and it will encourage your heart and help you to think through the Lord's Supper. It was a great encouragement to me. But that brings us to the last means of grace we want to spend time talking about in this episode, and that is prayer. So we move out of the ordinances into a, something that should be this daily occurrence, which is prayer, which I think we could spend so much time on it, but 
I think we will hopefully in future episodes talk more about prayer, but just s summarize how prayer, we accomplish prayer to demonstrate as, as a means of grace. Yeah. And one of the things that I want to point out, you said we're, this is the last means of grace we're talking about, and that implies that there are more means of grace, and indeed there are. These are the normal means of grace. These are things that every Christian should be partaking of. These, It doesn't matter whether you're a new believer, an old believer, whether you're young or physically young or old as a Christian. These are, these are the things you need on that journey. But there are other means of grace as well that don't apply to everyone. I want to make sure to emphasize these because these are, are necessary and we can't leave them out. Where the other ones, there's freedom. I, you know, just an example, a lot of people talk about journaling as a means of grace. And indeed, it is. But a lot of times I feel guilty that I'm not <laughs> journaling. But I don't need to feel guilty because it's not, the Bible doesn't command it. So I, I don't need to, if, if you want to journal and that helps you on your spiritual journey, by all means, journal. But it, it's not a necessary thing like the, uh, the things that we're talking about today. That those are necessary. We all need the word, the ordinances, and prayer. So prayer. Prayer is, is the means of obtaining grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, We can come to the throne of grace with boldness for, for grace in the time when, when we need it. That's really what prayer is all about. It's that pl place in your journey where you stop and say, Lord, I need grace. This pitfall that I've experienced, this affliction that I'm going through, uh, your word is exhorting me to go one way and I'm finding it difficult. Your word is threatening me and I, I feel overwhelmed and don't know how I could possibly do what I'm supposed to do. Um, Lord, I need comfort. This is where we get everything that we need. All the promises are dug up through prayer. Prayer is an invaluable means of grace. It indeed will give you strength for your journey. Though sometimes prayer is a difficult journey. <laughs> when you begin, uh, I know for me personally, sometimes I don't begin well, most of the time, I don't begin with a very good attitude. Sometimes it's just an attitude like this is the thing that I need to do. This is the discipline that I got to do, but I really am not all that into it. But by the time I'm done, the Lord has changed my heart, and I've experienced God in this, in this quiet place. He's come to meet me, as he promises to do in Matthew chapter 6. And it it really is a way to spiritually give you a spine <laughs> and lift you up, lift your head up is the way the psalmist describes mm -hmm. it. That's really what happens in prayer. All of these means of grace are precious, but you know when you're thinking about it and talking about it, it just, it just at that moment that seems to be the most important one and, and precious in your eyes. And prayer is really one of those that, it's just a great, great gift from God. I should say all these means of grace are gifts from God. 
So we, we need to value them not as hoops that we jump through, but as gifts from our Lord to help us on the journey. I think that's a very good way of looking at it, to, to see them as gifts, to see them as God, knowing that he's called us to back to where we started, called us to holiness, called us to be sanctified, to be set apart, didn't just leave us with no way to accomplish that, but rather he's provided us gifts. The four gifts we've talked about today, he's provided us with his word, he's provided us with baptism, he's provided us with the Lord's Supper, and he's provided us with prayer. All of them working to accomplish the same goal, the same mission. What's that goal and mission? That we would look like Jesus. That as Paul says in Romans 8, that we'd be conformed to the image of the Son. Because ultimately, that's what he's after. Like Hebrew says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And the way to holiness is through these means of grace. So if you, we need to use these. We need to use these gifts or... We, will not see, we won't see we'll the, Lord. the Lord. <laughs> right. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, which is a ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. If you would like more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on the website at www.tworiverscc.org. If you would like to give us information, feedback, or hate mail, hate mail. you can send it to ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship. We thank you for listening to Ordinary Fellowship, where we're seeking to have spiritual conversations for practical spiritual help.